Well, hello and welcome, friends, to the umpteenth installment of the Raining on Reality podcast. I'm Ryan, and today we are going to chat about why I impulsively flew to Nashville, Tennessee, sort of last minute on a whim, what it is I'm, I'm doing here, who I'm here to see, and sort of in the broader perspective of things, you know, what it is I'm doing in general and what it is myself and, and the other people that uh, that are a part of my community and that are doing some deep, deep inward work right about now and have been for the last year, two years. So what I'm going to be talking about is kind of more specifically and in, in, in depth, I guess the more businessy side of the spiritual path, spiritual journey, whatever you'd like to call it, it's it's becoming increasingly apparent to me that regardless of the modality or belief system or practice in which you connect with, you know, what it is we call spirit, you know, spirituality to me in general is inherently the act of truly connecting with oneself and one's own universe in a way that allows you to integrate maybe more, you know, wise, what we might call more expanded ways of thinking and and being in the world, trying to integrate a lot of the things we've learned along the way about what's healthy for us and what's what's a sort of healthy exchange of information and energy with other folks. And by healthy, I don't mean a simple dichotomy, good, bad, right, wrong. By healthy, I mean what what is true, you know, what is more true, genuine, authentic, both to you and, uh, you know, what is true and authentic about your actions, your behavior. Is it aligned with your truest values and with, you know, most importantly, your goals and what, what, what purpose you're trying to live out? And if that's the kind of adjustments we're making, if, if we're not aligned, we've been kind of hiding from that or, you know, sweeping it under the rug. There's, you know, there's a million expressions, but if, if we haven't been aligned with, with who we know we are or who we want to be, a lot of those behaviors that we, that we've in the past built up shame and, and guilt over, you know, they go in what is commonly called the shadow or become shadow behaviors or, or just unconscious behaviors. And, they're almost always a response to an unconscious belief or more commonly a you know some sort of trauma wound emotional wound you suffered uh, sometime in your life usually in childhood but not always but that is that you buried away somewhere and forgot about and is now affecting your life in ways that you're only partially aware of only like to like a curious extent but to other people, you're very much projecting this wound into your experiences. And if you take a step back and, and give yourself, you know, some time to connect with yourself on a truer level than thinking or, or you know, rationalizing, what you tend to find is, is that you've been living out patterns in your life. You know, I'm in my early 30s mid 30s 
you know, and I can look back and I can see a clear as day pattern that built with time and that also became sort of more self-destructive, more isolating, uh, affecting more of my um, relationships and interactions as time went on. So I'll use myself as a lot, uh, as an example more often than not, because it's it's been a hell of a ride and it's easily the most difficult work I've done, the most emotionally taxing, you know. That's what a lot of this year has been. And I mean, like, not not having a, an eight-hour-a-day job, you know? I mean, that's another, you know, that's another thing we'll have to have to discuss. As, as we shift into a new paradigm, and like I was talking about before, about, you know, how we value things, how we how we see the way things serve us in our life and, you know, how we kind of resonate with things, it's pretty clear, I think, on a wide collective level. Most of us, either intuitively or or completely, get that what this society was set up to do from the day we stepped foot in a preschool or kindergarten was to fork over the vast majority of of our of our life of our time alive on this planet and and hand it over in exchange for this thing that we've been led to believe is so important but that doesn't it doesn't actually exist and it never did actually exist and and we give up our time we give up our energy we give up our bodies to go to work for, for you know for eight hours this is just this is just a scam, quite frankly, and we'll talk about that too in regards to wanting to live a more true to self life. And um, you know, bottom line is we live in a we live in a um, modern monetary economy. Everyone needs to make money to live. However, you know, over the past few years, I've I've you know learned to be resourceful and and got along, you know, it wasn't, it might not have been glamorous staying at friends and family members' houses and, and staying in my van, but what I was able to do was be pretty much on the road in my van full-time. I was able to work on my van, do upgrades to my van, and pick up, you know, pick up work where I needed to. So that going forward is something that, that I'm going to have to think about. A lot of others like me are, are thinking about what what are we, if we, if we were able to make just the decision to make, you know, to make our, earn our living doing the things that we actually enjoyed doing and, and never had to take a compromising job. And I'm not saying some people don't have to do it, you know, do what they got to do. I would just hope for the future that we could start to shift away from jobs that were just straight miserable and harmful, you know, that were, that were either abusive emotionally or, or you know, in some way, jobs that we dreaded were maladaptive, you know, for our expansion or our weren't healthy for our emotions or our well-being. So we'll talk about that too, just kind of in relation to, to, to this healing journey. That's what it really is, is, you know, there's a, there's a ton of talk out there about healing and, and self-love. So, you know, and taking care of oneself and, and you'll see a lot of people that I know, you know, have have great healthy practices, exercise, diets, etc. But what we're talking about here really can't be divided up in into categories like that. We're talking about holistic healing and well-being from the inside out. And you'll find that most people, once they do a little bit of inner work, they they come to understand that it is the most difficult work you'll ever do beyond rewarding. So appreciate you guys taking a listen. 
and hopefully this will be insightful for you all. So just to begin, why I hopped a flight out to Nashville, Tennessee last minute. Basically, for the last couple of years, I have been a diehard podcast fan, and as I've described in my earlier episodes, have always been the guy that's sharing podcasts or, you know, sending people podcast episodes to listen to and, and you know, over time realizing that uh, <laughs> that most people don't make as much time to listen to podcasts as I do or have as much time. But uh, that was certainly the last probably five, six years of, of life has been this this really unrelenting kind of search for new knowledge and new perspectives and new ideas. And along that search, I've stumbled upon various spiritual podcasts, not necessarily in the sense, uh, I'd say like a new, kind of like a, a contemporary spirituality based more on like reality hacking or, you know, not so much like your love and light, even even like tarot, um, but more so spiritual in the sense of like the psychedelic movement and integrating more intellectual ideal, you know, ideologies and, and practices like meditation, etc., um, with spiritual and emotional and physical well-being. So along that journey, I stumbled across, really, you name it, but one of them, one of the podcasts that I started listening to was created by a, a comedian named Jessa Reed, who is a decently <laughs> well-known comedian, but she had basically started a podcast. She had a podcast called Mormon and the Meth Head, where she and her comedic partner and what was inevitably her romantic partner had a podcast that was hilarious and they would travel and do shows together. But anyways, she spun off her own podcast from that and it was called Soberish. And it was called Soberish because she was a recovered addict, had an addiction problem in her past and wanted to do something that, that you know, either helped addicts or helped kind of bring addiction more into a accepted context. I don't know. I think we, we probably share, um, and I, I, in fact, I know we share a lot of viewpoints on, on addiction and on how it's been treated in the past, etc. Anyways, that didn't end up happening. <laughs> she created this podcast called Soberish that began very briefly about addiction, but what it got into was her personal experience when she was using and was an addict, uh, I believe a couple decades ago, where she experienced a near-death experience, well, multiple. And um, I don't want to get too into it. If you want to listen to it, you should definitely do so and start out as, uh, as early on as possible. But where basically she had connected with something, some sort of energy that she, you know, she believed to be beyond herself. She calls it her aliens. And it's no different than, for those of you that may have heard, spirit guides, higher self, you know, there's all kinds of intuitives. And it, anyways, this is, this is where we're going to get balls out woo. So she had basically began talking about how 20 years ago, she started experiencing dialogue, either voices in her head, quote unquote, or in her dreams that were sharing things with her information that at the time, you know, she was or wasn't okay with or, or whatever, but that, uh, as over time, um, and, and increasingly so in the past year and a half or two, these, these things that she was learning via this, this outside source of energy or of wisdom were coming true. And she was seeing them coming true in her external world. And she was, 
experiencing things and receiving messages that were becoming more and more um, relevant on like a day-to-day. So long story long, I started listening to this podcast and she's been amazing and hilarious and, you know, kind of like perfectly my style of, <laughs> of a spiritual podcast. And she has basically described the last year and a half of time on how it was going to happen to a perfect T. I mean, it's, it's still pretty, pretty remarkable, um, to say the least. However, we have been connecting over the past year or so just, uh, via Instagram. And, um, I had originally reached out to her after she had talked about wanting to create sort of like a retreat space. So what she has done is created an online community. It's a Facebook group called the Soberish group on Facebook. And, um, beyond that, a discord server, for those of you that don't know, discord is a, is a, service a platform that you know is great for stuff like that for forums and what have you but she also created this thing that she was basically her her dream creation um, throughout this process which is called imagination project which is a place where people who have begun to have spiritual awakenings and experience like large disruptions in their reality you know come to find they have abilities beyond sort of the typical 3d reality and and accepted paradigm so people that were feeling pretty weird and pretty crazy would have a place to meet and associate and integrate and learn from each other so again this is a way long-winded in in only the way that i can uh explanation of how i came to get to know this person jessa she in january i believe or shortly there before met a gentleman by the name of mark who is was is the uh the drummer for foster the people the very popular band and they began a romance and that romance has continued so we've stayed in contact and when she mentioned wanting to create this retreat space it was after like a couple of months i had started having dreams about myself traveling to another you know place state city it was never specific but to assist in creating a sort of space like this and and I, this is not fabricated. This, this actually happened. So with, with great enthusiasm, I had reached out and said, Hey, I am experienced, well experienced in, in planning, building, designing, creating structures and carpentry. And, uh, even beyond that more alternative means of building. And I have also have the design experience to, to put these things together as far as, uh, everything from your basic creative concepts and sketching and 3D modeling to actually creating plans, blueprints, which I've, you know, in my own free time over the past, over my career, the past 15 years, become pretty good at. So it was only recently, so I had reached out, you know, told her this a while ago, but it was only recently we kind of, again, like revisited that in our just chit chat conversations on Instagram. And she said, hey, uh, we're, you know, we're out in Nashville at Mark's home and where he has property and where he wants to develop and build some things that are pretty consistent with what I've been talking about as far as a retreat space, a space where people could come and they could have a place to stay that was comfortable and they could uh, meet with, you know, teachers, advisors, whatever, whatever the case may be, a retreat space. So she... Yeah, I mean, it was within like a couple of days of chatting, and apparently we'd both been having a, a pretty rough month. But she basically said, "Hey, would would you want to fly out here and hang with us and hear what we're doing and and see if you can contribute?" And I said, "Yeah." 
of course, like I was thoroughly excited to to go out there and, and meet with these people because I don't know if I'd mentioned it uh, enough times or not, but I've been fairly, well, extremely isolated in the past like year and a half, just based on my own path and what I've been going through and, and what I've chosen for myself as far as working through my own shit. So it was really great. And so I flew out there, stayed five, six days, met the people that lived there with them, and then a couple of people that were visiting, and it was just fantastic. It wasn't it wasn't anything over the top. There wasn't any <laughs> seances or anything. I mean, it was very normal. Uh, they were extremely hospitable, extremely kind, made me feel incredibly comfortable, had my own room. It was just, it was perfect. And for what I had been going through internally and emotionally, like it was, it was perfectly aligned with that, yet I felt extremely welcome and connected with uh, some wonderful people that they had uh, that had been staying there with them as well. And we talked about, you know, plans for this, uh, you know, possible thing going forward. So to give a huge intro to, to that little bit of information, it was great. And it was great to finally meet. And I had never met Jessa in person. So that was, it was great to finally meet and connect with her. Um, although it didn't feel like it was, you know, the first time. And meet Mark, who I was a huge fan of Foster the People. I mean, maybe not massive and not so much their most popular tune, but um, I did have a couple of favorites. And so that was really cool. Mark's an amazing dude, amazing musician, but also amazing creative and handy uh, into carpentry and, and creating things and just a, just a really, really inspirational dude who I align with and, and got, got along with great. We, we both had a really similar experience coming up in our kind of um, spiritual path and, and that was really great. So I had an absolute perfect time out there talking with them and although it was a quick trip, um, we, we got a lot done and we talked a lot and I'm going to be doing some, some further design work for them as I uh, as time goes on here and hopefully get my ass back out there to hang with them again soon and uh, you know put some of these ideas forward a little further to, to start creating a place like this, which to me would just be a dream come true because along with the podcast and um, traveling, I hope to do myself, sharing my spiritual knowledge and wisdom and my experience, and, and uh, especially with people uh, who people who have struggled, and, and especially with things like addiction and depression and mental illness and physical ailments. Like, I really just have this calling to, to connect with and, and share and really humanize their experience and hopefully inspire them to, to see themselves as more than just this image they see in the mirror or more than their more than their setbacks or more than their uh, shortcomings or you know things that they've accepted to be their shortcomings based on this society's definition and judgment of things so that's that's you know really what I'm most motivated by along with frankly just uh, expanding upon my own journey my my goals have shifted around so much uh, in the past couple of years that it, it's really just been for for like taking a time out from that responsible image of western society to just be like okay let's let's just press reset here and let's just find out who the fuck we are and so um from that we can segue pretty perfectly into the things where i was talking about and which when i got there because we were all <laughs> it was like it was like women on their period no um there's this uh there's this wonderful concept um in physics called resonance and it's the I guess the fact that uh, if you take any any amount of, of metronomes, right, of, of 
timekeeping, you know, for, for musical purposes. I'm sure most people know what a metronome is. But if you take any number of them, no matter how out of sync they are, or even grandfather clocks, no matter how out of sync they are, if you put them all within the same, you know, the same room or close to each other, um, no matter how out of sync they are, if you come back in five minutes, they will have synced up and be ticking to the same beat somehow. And that's like a well-known, you know, fact in physics and, and pretty kind of magical thing to think about. And that's that's how we, you can, and this is how we talk about and think about people and, and the way that we resonate and the sort of frequencies that we vibrate at and the sort of ideas we have and the ways we think. And there is like an actual explanation to this stuff that can be found in science that's not just about like, oh, well, you like this and I like this. It's like even, even that more often than not, especially in my life, <laughs> um, doesn't prove to be the thing that that aligns people or that brings people together. It it goes you know deeper than that, obviously. So um, that's something that I experienced with this group of people that I spent a few days with, and uh, you know it's it's been my experience over the past couple of years that um, I've both unfortunately drifted away from certain people, and not not for any negative reason whatsoever. Like I completely miss my friends and, and all the people I've grown so uh, close to and, and grown to know so well over the years. But uh, but really just because of this like in-depth, you know, search or in-depth journey that I've taken. And, you know, and on that, like I was saying with these people, how I resonated with them while I was there, I know a lot of people just, just from being, you know, connected via the internet, etc., are experiencing the same thing. And that is this past like six months and even the majority of this year being this time of like deep self-reflection and and deep work deep you know we we call it self-work and I referred to it in my little introduction there and what it has to do with is like the final bringing up of and clearing out of kind of maladaptive or self-destructive habits ways of thinking beliefs things we've accepted to be true about ourselves mostly i mean for me it's a lot of guilt and shame things that that have been brought back up and i'm not saying that i like made a choice to like i, I it feels like i did in some respects but at the same time like i was just very much like my life in in my experience of my life in in the third dimension here was put on pause i mean like i was stopped in my tracks and sat somewhere and this happened three different times this year or my van broke down or like in the last obviously was stolen by the fucked pathetic fucks at the west sacramento police department another story but so that i could sit down and be alone with myself and feel my feelings and think my thoughts and and really understand why my life had transpired the way it had and really understand what I was meant to do and understand who I was, what I was, and to really work through all this stuff. And I mean like in the way that people go to a, an accounting job and work through things. And I'm, I mean that with, with, with no hyperbolic um, intention, like it is, that's the kind of work. And so, well, like I mentioned in the, in the intro also, this, uh, this idea of, of shadow behaviors now, or shadow, shadow work or shadow aspects. Now this is a, uh, this is a Jungian theory, um, where it got its start 
it basically is just the unconscious. And uh, Carl Jung's quote on, on the unconscious is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Now, I've heard a lot of profound statements in my life and, and I consider myself a pretty pretty good resource of profound quotes and insightful quotes from, from famous people, but that is one that has rang true in in so many ways it's unbelievable in my life uh, and I'm sure in most people's lives because it, until we do take a hard look at this stuff and these patterns of why, right? Why we say we don't want, you know, we want to be happy and we want success and we want a partner that loves us and that, you know, so why do we keep running into things that aren't that, right? And some people seem to have no fucking problem with this at all. And this is where the idea of like reincarnation and past lives, you know, tends to, to come on a bit, but nevertheless, it's because we take on these subconscious beliefs and desires and because from a higher perspective of being, um, spiritual or otherwise there there just is no such thing as right wrong good or bad these are these are things we've created created in our society in our culture and in our and in our time right that we've ado- adopted from our society and culture and from our parents and families growing up but but like i've said in one of my first episodes there is no line that god drew on a wall somewhere that said Above this is good and below this is bad. And above this is right and below this is wrong. These are all completely self-created, society, culture-maintained judgments, right? That, that, I mean, you can call it the Ten Commandments if you want, but the Ten Commandments really, <laughs> it's, it's really more about the golden rule, right? Is do unto others. So, so like I said, this whole idea of right, wrong, good, or bad creates a lot of these shadow aspects of ourselves where we quote unquote do something that's bad and we are ashamed of it. And when we have these bad tendencies, we don't want to look at them and we don't want to admit them to ourselves. So we avoid them in different ways. And one of the ways is literally by pushing them under the proverbial rug, which is into our unconscious. And we adopt these behaviors and we do these things and we self-sabotage ourselves or we, um, you know, have drug addiction habits or, or are promiscuous or are dishonest or, I mean, you fucking name it. If it's something that our society deems bad, we're dramatic, we cause fights, we, you know, you fucking name it. We steal things, we, you know, whatever it is, like, and we shove it into this unconscious place. Well, now is a time whether no matter what your metaphysical beliefs or spiritual beliefs are, where these things are coming up ad nauseum in, in people's lives all across the world where people are being, you know, again, coincident, call it coincidence if you want or whatever, but you know, COVID the pandemic through quarantine, whatever people are being put in positions where they have to deal with these things. They have to deal with their problems and they have to deal with these aspects of themselves. And it's obviously an incredibly complex and um, 
and very subjective experience based on what any, you know, and there's a lot of people that don't have that much shit, right? They don't have that much emotional or, or, um, you know, shameful or, or, um, you know, things they feel incredibly guilty for that, that don't, that aren't having this. Well, guess what? I did and do. And it's, it's a part of radical self-acceptance and, and radical acceptance of what is. And again, all these Buddhist concepts, the release of clinging to outcomes and the release of clinging to a definition of oneself or a, a definition of how things are supposed to be, right? Like all these things, it's, it's very much the same theme of like giving up control, giving up the definitions that we had both for ourselves and for our lives and, and for facing these things head on and saying, okay, what are you really? What this pattern that I keep living out, what, what is it really? And what you'll find is, like for me personally, I kept playing out the pattern of I'm not worth it. I'm not, I don't have self-worth, right? I'm not good enough because I adopted these beliefs from, from my childhood. And they literally kept playing out and I couldn't figure out why. It was like, why do I, you know, why am I attracted to partners that, um, you know, for whatever, and what's crazy is it's not like... It's, you know, it's not like it's just my experience, like it's their experience too, because they have their own problems and, and shadow behaviors and self-worth. So, so this all goes back, and maybe I should preface this episode with my quote-unquote balls-out woo metaphysical take on the world. I haven't, uh, haven't quite given that on the podcast yet or opened up about that, but basically it is my experiential belief as a Buddhist, again, Buddhism isn't a religion. It's not a dogma. It's not a set of rules, right? It's a, it's a dialectic. It's a, um, yeah, it, it's a dialogue. It, it's a, it's an inquiry. It's a, you know, what the Buddha was saying was not follow me. You know, he was saying, try this, try these things. I've found these things to be true about mind and experience and emotions and things like, check it out. Let me know what you think. Basically, if he were around. Um, but again, the, the, now that I'm even more of like a, you know, studying in more of the Tibetan lineage and, uh, Dzogchen is my primary practice, you know, especially what Buddhism, you know, primarily believes is that we are all Buddhas, unawakened, unrealized Buddhas. We are all perfect radiance of, of love and compassion and creation. So, Aligning with that, what I believe to be our metaphysics is that we create our reality, 1,000% of it, and I, I, can, I can just tell you that, that, that's, that that's the truth, that we, create, that we create our reality subconsciously or consciously, and we are not just creating it, um, you know, we are actively creating it, that we are living in a video game or a movie narrative for ourselves and we we ha we do have quote unquote free will in the sense that we once we are awakened to these realities or to the reality of what our thoughts of what our beliefs of what our intentions of what our actions what effect they have when, once we are 
um, awakened to that, then we do have more quote unquote control, but still there is no control, right? Because you can't control what will happen. You can only control what you do to help make it happen and how you respond to the external world. Because the external world, although it may be your projection, this reality has to make sense. So that's where, like, you know, you're not going to see magical poofs of <laughs> of magic of, you know, fucking elves popping out of rocks and shit. Although I wouldn't be surprised with the shit I've seen this year. However... It is my belief that we can influence this reality in in dramatic and remarkable ways and that we do manifest what, what we want and there are tricks to it. It's not just thinking about what you want and thinking positively. That's a crock of bullshit. And anyone that's had these subconscious shadow beliefs that you've heard me talking about can attest to that. So that's my that's my belief. And although this may not be a fringe belief system or a fringe uh, metaphysical view of the world um, these days in 2020. Um, it's obviously becoming increasingly more popular. However, um, it does date back as far as time itself. Um, but, you know, as far as the last century, um, you can go back to Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, you can go back to anything from Neville Goddard. You know, there's there's a there's a ton of examples of of both reality hacking and and ideas that suggest that we are creating our own reality and and manifestation especially. But things like the secret, unfortunately, are although are based in some truth, leave out a, a gigantic part of the equation, which is that, so like I was talking about before, from from a higher perspective, since there is no no right and wrong, and that's all subjective based on, you know, your the current era you're in, culture, the system you're in, how these shadow behaviors or, or shadow selves or shadow beliefs, how, whatever you want, unconscious beliefs, unconscious behaviors, however you want to characterize them, how they come into play here is that our true selves want to experience life in its full totality. We can go beyond that as far as, and we will go beyond that as far as further religious or cosmological beliefs or, you know, what your beliefs in God are. But we're only subject to these values, to these judgments of right, wrong, good, bad in, in, in our, you know, given culture and given time of, of living, <laughs> um, in this life anyways. And so that being the case, well, here's a better example. Our subconscious doesn't know right from wrong. Our subconscious only communicates in pictures. That's why it uses your dreams. And it only, it, it doesn't know what good, bad, right, wrong are because they don't exist on that deep or on that high of a level. So when we're talking about manifesting quote-unquote what you want that is that's perfectly accurate if you're actually aware of everything you want because guaranteed that a lot of the things you want you don't know you want and they are the things that manifest in your life that you can't understand why on earth they manifest when you don't think you want them see the trick is is that you have to take radical responsibility for your entire life. 
every experience. And I know that gets to some sketchy ground in some places, but it is true. Um, true in the sense that there is no picking and choosing with this. You just are manifesting your entire reality all of the time. You've just been doing it unconsciously most of your life, if not all of your life. And so that, by definition, means that you are, in fact, manifesting what you want, um, even if you don't think you are. And if there's some sort of disconnect there between you experiencing and having what you want, and it's, again, it's not going to be all what you want ever, and because happiness is also a created, uh, you know, platitude, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, subjective, you know, happiness is, isn't, wasn't ever supposed to be a permanent state. It is what we perceive to be the top of an emotional wave. And as we know with all things in this universe, uh, or on this planet, they are in balance. And for every up, there is a down, especially in this dualistic reality in which we exist now. For every up, there is a down. For every black, there is a white. For every inside, there is an outside. And on that note, for every inside, there is an outside. You believe that the you that you think you are ends at your skin. And that what you are is inside of that skin. When... It's just the case that you cannot have an inside without an outside. They go together, like up and down, like white and black. So that being the case, you considering yourself to be just what is inside of your skin is leaving out a part of you that is inherent to having an inside, and that's having an outside. Because everything you experience outside of you is also you. It is your skin that is perceiving electrical signals in the air and translating them in your brain to warmth or cold. It is your eyes that are shining the sun through your very specific three sets of rods and cones in your optical system and in your optic nervous system. It is your ears and the bones and the nerves that run from your ears to your brain and your brain that are taking vibrations in the air and turning them into sound. There is no sound without an ear to hear it. Without an ear and and the cortex and the and the and the brain and the nervous system, there just is no value of experience. There is no sense experience outside of you, outside of a human, if that makes sense. It is a relationship. There is no blue sky to things that are not humans. There is no green grass. Grass doesn't smell the way it smells to other animals or, or you know, if you're getting what I'm saying, like, it is 1,000% a creation, your reality in every moment you live it, is just as much you as your quote-unquote insides. 
Because this entire picture and structure and experience and all the values you give it, words, right, words that we think with as we perceive our days, we're labeling, right? We're going up, down, up, down, up, down, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad with everything. Everything we look at, smell, touch, hear, scent, you know, everything we've, we've imbued or essenced with value in an up or a downward manner. But only to us, only to me, do I have this specific essence of value to the smell of cut grass. Now, people might be able to relate to that and have their own, but I'll never know what theirs is like, and they'll never know what mine's like. Maybe mine's tied to this very specific memory I have when I was a kid. Maybe theirs is tied to this very specific trauma they have when theirs is a kid, right? So all day, we're labeling these things, and we've not just given these things a symbol set in the form of letters. We've given these things meaning, emotional meaning, that are perfectly catered to just to exclusively us. And that is why your experience is 1000% subjective. And there is no such thing as an objective reality. There is a consensus reality. We can agree on certain things that, yeah, it looks like this. Yeah, it smells like that. But that's where words again leave us, right? That's where words have a limit. And then we're like, yeah, but it, it has something else to me. So what I'm saying is that not only, you know, are you creating your reality in, in the actual sense, right? That, that what's out there isn't actually out there. It's in here. It's all being computed. And because you have a nervous system and a neocortex and, uh, you know, and the, and the hardware that you have that you're actually literally creating it, the entire structure, moment for moment, and you're narrating it with your thoughts. Now, reality, again, I'm going to speak in generalities. I don't expect everyone to buy it or believe me or whatever, but reality is a mirror. It is your beliefs, your desires, your intentions, your thoughts, if all you do is think negatively and all you do is narrate yourself from a, uh, from a victim point of view or from why is it always, you know what I mean? If that's what you are putting out, there is resonance is an actual, you know, theory from hermetic principles, right? From, from, um, you know, hermetic philosophy is, is a really old and really in my opinion, accurate um, view on the world, but resonance is is 100% the way things work. So I mentioned this earlier about the metronomes. What you put out is what is coming back because your subconscious mind, which is doing all the creating, that's why you're not aware of it. And if you've ever heard anyone talk about the subconscious mind from like a... Uh, um, neurology standpoint or neuroscience, the subconscious mind is analogous to the, or your conscious mind, excuse me, is analogous to the tip of an iceberg in which only five to 10% is exposed. Your subconscious mind is analogous to the part of the iceberg that is unexposed, that is beneath the surface. And that is the part that is 
running your body, it's growing your hair, it's pumping your blood, it's releasing your enzymes and hormones, doing all that stuff that you couldn't possibly be doing, right? But you are. The you that is you in totality. But then there's there's a way, <laughs> right? We, we talked about this, that there's even one removal from that, which we'll get back to. What I'm trying to say is that we are, in fact, responsible for creating every moment of experience of our lives and have been since we finished downloading our programs at the ages of roughly seven. And before that, unfortunately, our parents <laughs> were responsible for giving us a good grasp on existence. Um, but again, like there is no such thing as blaming our parents for something because they would just blame their parents and they would blame their parents and they would blame their parents and we'd go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. And in, in that case, it would go back to the snake, a snake, which told Eve to eat the fruit. So however you want to go with that, you can blame your parents if you want, but it's just not the way it works. In addition to that, a part of this work that we're doing is correcting those wrongs going back as long as our lineages go back. We're, we're literally working through ancestral trauma that's as old as dirt. And that's what makes a lot of this as difficult as it is. We're taking on burdens and feeling the weight of emotional burdens that have been built up and gone back that people haven't dealt with for thousands of years. Literally. That's what we're being asked to do now, to end, right? To end these traumas, to end these ancestral wrongs because we are conscious now or aware to the point that we have the correct knowledge and tools at hand to deal with this stuff. Our parents didn't, even one generation ago, right? My parents in the 1980s, 1990s, weren't, even still aren't, educated enough, and maybe never will be, to, to grasp a lot of this stuff. And even if they were to want to, right, there would be a, a, an immense burden on them of guilt, of shame, of, you know what I mean? So it's just... This is where we have to leave this stuff, is that they didn't have the tools we do. My, just this generation does. No matter how, you, how old you are right now, aside from being a child. But even then, like, our children should be learning this. That we are responsible in the most ultimate sense. We are 1,000% responsible. And it's even, yes, there are other people out there, right? So solipsism... This is what I'm talking about is, is something that's been in the past called idealism, the sense that everything that you experience is a creation of the mind. Now, solipsism is the belief that there's just me and you're all just my dream. Now, that's not what I'm suggesting at all. What I am suggesting is we're playing parts in each other's movies, that we're writing scripts for each other, consciously or unconsciously, and that we do have a choice in how that goes. We do have choices for what roles people play in our lives. And we literally, so, you know, first line of Genesis, in the beginning was the word, right? In the beginning was the word. Because the word is sound, everything is sound, everything is vibration, we talked about that. But the word is also extremely powerful. Because we, when we label things, when we say, oh, this person's a piece of shit, or fuck this person, or I'm a victim of this because of this, we're writing the script of our lives. So 
not to get too all over the pl- I mean obviously this is way all over the place and, and what have you and I'm just trying to put a goddamn episode out but um, you get the gist this hopefully this ties back into um, subconscious beliefs and things that we accept to be true or um, you know things that we that we put into our subconscious without realizing it obviously but things that we don't want to deal with we don't want to look at that we're ashamed of etc cetera, etc cetera. hopefully this makes sense as to why those things might manifest as things we want and why things like the secret by thinking positive and and you know yeah that goes a long way carrying a positive mindset huge but if you have unresolved shit that unresolved shit is going to keep coming back up and tapping you on the shoulder and saying hey i am shit i stink you don't like me i am unresolved here i am and it's going to shit itself all over whatever you know, desired outcome or or desired manifestation that you really wanted. And you're going to be like, why is this thing look and smell like shit? Why is there shit all over everything? And that's why. So to bring it again, some sort of full circle, that's what the work is about. That's what dealing with shadow things are, is that's what, you know, that's what the subconscious is. That's what uh, Carl Jung, C.G. Jung, one of my I mean, one of my favorite human beings to learn about and learn from, um, that's what he was talking about. And we'll get into more of his stuff in, in some later episodes. But this is this is the work that we're doing right now, is we're making the unconscious conscious. Because, as Mr. Jung himself said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule you, your life and you will call it fate. Now, I don't believe in... I believe in great many things that I haven't shared yet, but uh, but I do believe we have 1,000% ability and we have an active role in, in creating the outcome of our lives. And I don't believe there's anything that can't be overcome. I believe we are pure fucking magical beings of creation, that we are actually pure fucking energy and we're just stuck in this dense you know, in this level of consciousness, in this 3D, where we have matter, where energy has spun into matter, into stuff, into hard stuff. But what do we know when we look into that? There's nothing there. It's fucking empty because this is a hologram of energy flowing around. It's like a giant blanket of energy that's just like pushing stuff out towards you as you, as you, you know, as you ask for it, as you choose it. So as you're constructing whatever city you're living in, that's what's being shoved up through the energy blanket to be, you know, to look like your reality. And it doesn't look like your reality, it is your reality. But you're also creating it, right? Out of that out of that raw energy. That's that's all that's there. Is raw energy spinning around really fast in empty space. You're labeling it and you're creating it with your mind. With and by mind, I don't mean brain, I mean mind mind is sort of the miasmic gaseous unformed version of you know what we think of as the brain and when i talked before about uh breaking down boundaries one thing that like i spoke of earlier jessa uh prophesized so well is that boundaries would begin to break down and one one that was mentioned to her that she didn't understand at the time was the boundary of gender and she was like what are we all just going to start becoming hermaphrodites no but the boundaries of gender did break down and we accepted them did we not right we have more lgbtq uh you know trans cis you know um pronouns you know etc like we we've accepted that as a reality now 
because the boundaries of gender are paper thin. Because when you when you go and learn about genetics and you learn about there isn't just one gene, right? There isn't one fine gray line that like separates whether or not you're going to be a boy or a girl. No, it's so much more complex and paper thin than that. It's like several that integrate to it. You know what I mean? It's just it's as if there isn't a line because you you have both feminine and masculine aspects. Now we're talking about feminine and masculine, not male and female. Let's get that straight. That uh, that divine feminine principles and aspects and divine masculine, these are aspects that exist before gender, right? So like the left brain, the conscious mind, is associated with the masculine. That's thinking, logic, um, calculating, uh, you know, that's that's basically the kind of reality that you've seen over the last hundred years. Now, divine feminine is um, is illogical, irrational. That's what that's what your subconscious mind is represented by. It doesn't it doesn't have right from wrong, right? It's illogical, irrational, and not to knock not to knock the ladies. I definitely associate much more with my feminine aspects of of personality than I do my masculine. Even though I'm very logical and rational, I'm also very creative and I very much dislike very structured and calculated and, and cut up things and, and boundaried and labeled. You know what I mean? Like I'm not that anyways, point being, um, masculine and feminine aren't male and female. It's just aspects that we all have in, in multitudes, right? In all areas of our life. Um, some females are more masculine in these, in the ways that I'm referring to, not masculinity as far as like hormones, but, Masculine energy, right? That's left brain. Feminine energy is right brain. Conscious is left brain. Subconscious is right brain. And you can take it on down the line. I mean, this this has to do with all kinds of things. Anyways, long story long, this is this is the paradigm that we're shifting into and and have been shifting into. And and this this is what we're integrating. And this is what, mark my fucking words, this is what science will come to, to know about spirituality and vice versa. And if you see any fight put up from, from scientific academia or, or you know research science and stuff, it is dogmatism. It is pure stubbornness. Like, this is what will happen. Um, and this is the reality that we are going to, to be faced with, ready or not, is that we are the reality. We're creating it. And the idea that you are separate from your environment is no more. There is no more boundary because your skin doesn't separate you from the environment. If you look at your hand, everything that you can see in the background, background and foreground are one. So you look at your hand, everything you can see, that's all you too. Because you're touching it, you're exchanging information with it, you're exchanging skin cells, you're exchanging air with it, etc., etc., etc. You're leaving bits of you on it. It's leaving bits of it on you. The hard and Alan Watts said this: the hard and fast division we make between what is outside and what is inside is completely arbitrary. Had we been taught otherwise, we would see otherwise. So I realize I've gone way the fuck all over the place here. But it's only in my uh, 
with my grace and style. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but only in the way that I can. Uh, because, again, this is how many things, this is how many subjects, uh, you know, how many, how many majors in college you would have to take. You know, it has to do with everything because everything is one thing. If you back up far enough, the planet's just one fucking thing, isn't it? Edener. If you back up far enough, human race is just one thing. And that's another fucking thing. Excuse me. You are not separate. We are one. Oneness is inherent to all of the best parts of spirituality. All of the parts that actually work and that are good for humanity. And we are one with the earth. This is our home. We sprung out of it. We didn't show up here. It popped us out like a fucking tree. Or like Alan Watts would say, like an apple tree brings forth fruit, the earth peopled us. We are one with the earth and we are one with each other. And, and it just doesn't work. You can try. You can try to separate yourself. Go ahead. Try and separate yourself from the planet and every other human being on it. It just doesn't fucking work, man. And until we start thinking like that and understanding that to give is to receive as ye, as ye be it, so shall be done unto you. These things are true as fuck resonance. What you put out will come back. So if this, if this, if anything, if this can unite us in this time of absurd division, I mean, we look like people look like fucking look more immature than than I was and my friends and I were as children, uh, you know, adults look more immature than, than we ever were nowadays on social media and bickering and fighting. And it's like, well, I said it before, until you see the divine in everything, as long as we are condemning and putting things into darkness and saying, you're bad, until we until we are looking across those protest lines and, and looking across the aisles of government and saying that at the end of the day, we love and respect each other, that we are one, that we are man, we are human. We bleed the same color blood. We love the same. We fear the same. We hurt the same. Until we start to see the similarities and the things that unite us all, all of them, everyone because you're only as good as your lowest common to not right like that whole idea of like the tide rises together like it's true man and the tighter the tighter woven a fabric the less things can fall through it so as a humanity as a community the tighter we grow i mean this fucking pandemic man don't even get me started i don't like it i don't like it at all like we know that we are infinitely stronger in, a, in an immune response sense when we are connected and when we are uh, an integrated part of a community. Like that's when we thrive the most from a health standpoint. That's when our bodies are most equipped, not severed. So we can get into that in another episode. That's politics. Don't want to do it. What I'm saying is the tighter a community is, like strands of thread, the less chance there is for anything to fall through it. And we are only as good as the lowest people, as the people on the street, as the people in the jails, 
fucking, you know, arrested for nothing, arrested for being homeless or being on drugs. Like, it is absurd the way we allow people to be treated in this country. There is an absurd abundance of money and resources in this fucking country. We brag about it all the fucking time. We have disposable income, like, to wipe our ass with. Yet, we want to judge people as we fucking drive by them on the street and and say that they're just lazy. Like, I'm so fucking sick of all that. So fucking sick of, oh, they're just on welfare because they're lazy. It's like, you ever met anyone on welfare? Nobody wants to be there. Everyone wants to be vital and, and contribute. Until you are able to see and experience the, you know, what these, what these neighborhoods and what these people and what these communities go through, how hard it is in situations like mine where, you know, I was struggling and, and a local municipality decided to, to steal my van for a revenue serve, you know, stream. They weren't teaching me a lesson. They weren't helping me get compliant with my driver's license that I didn't even know was, you know what I mean? Like this, this is our reality. It's, it's money and it's greed. And that's all it's given a fuck about. Police these days are revenue sources. They fill beds in jails in order to get federal money, right? It's all about jobs by the way, the war on drugs, the drugs are still winning. Has anyone thought about that? Has anyone thought about how there isn't any way whatsoever that police could get drugs off the street, right? To get rid of drugs. I want you guys to think about that. Next time a president or someone else says, oh, we're cleaning up, we're getting all the drugs off the street, all the crime. It's like, then what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do with all those jobs? All those judges, all those assistant district attorneys, all those public defenders, all those clerks, all those court reporters, all those, you know, secretaries, the this, the that, all those fucking cops, all those uh, bailiffs, all the jail workers, all the detectives, all the cop secretaries, all, you know, you fucking name it. You think there's any possibility whatsoever that anyone, that any judge, that any politician can say with any authenticity whatsoever that they want to clean drugs off the streets that's millions of jobs millions of jobs and billions of dollars in revenue that no one wants to get rid of hate to break it to you guys and maybe i'm not breaking it to you maybe you completely see that and you see how the condemnation of addiction that's being fed and being perpetuated by this system is absurd and the condemnation of people who, who in the richest country in the world, who, who have been cast out, who have, quote-unquote, made mistakes that, you know what I mean? Well, if we had our shit together, they wouldn't, that wouldn't be a possibility. And it is a, it's, it is a possibility to get our shit together to the point that that shit can't happen. I was a victim, quote-unquote, of the opioid epidemic. I was handed painkillers for my back injury, a ton of them. And then I, they were taken away one day, and I had no idea what I was in for. And luckily, I never graduated onto heroin or even oxycodone, you know, or or even any of these strong, you know, certainly not, um, certainly not fentanyl. I was lucky, and I I got myself clean. 
I did get arrested for possessing pills that weren't in a bottle that had my name on it. I do have a charge on my record for that, and that's what my daughter's mom used in court to smear me, was that I was a drug addict. And then, lo and behold, we come to find out that all these companies were purposely targeting people just like me to get us hooked to sell fucking drugs. So it's like, I think it's time that we all take a new perspective on everything. And we should every day, but a higher perspective, not of, not of judgment. Cause that's, if you're, if you, if you have give any credence or, or believe in any way that you're creating your reality, the number one way to drag yourself down is judgment and condemning. Cause what you judge, you become. Anyways. Thank you guys for putting up with this episode. I hope it made some sort of coherent sense. I was more worried about getting it out and um, telling you guys about my trip and getting into a little bit of the uh, shadow work stuff and and kind of, you know, like what the hell it is that people are talking about when, when they're talking about, uh, you know, how tough this year's been and, and what quote-unquote lazy people like me have been doing. Um, without, you know, having full-time jobs and, and having that Western idea of, of success, you know, um, doing what I can, doing what I can. So I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Anyone that wants to come on the podcast and chit chat would love that. Anyone that wants to reach out, please do, uh, rainingonreality.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I created a YouTube channel. Oh, last but not least, I created a YouTube channel. And what I wanted to start doing was guided meditations. Um, if there's anyone interested in that, um, I've got a, I've got a whole gaggle of, of awesome, uh, concepts and practices to integrate, not just Buddhist and not just, uh, you know, not just your typical staring at your breath stuff, but, um, but some cool visualization stuff and breath work and all that good stuff. Um, so I, let me know if anyone's interested in that. Um, I'll probably do it either way <laughs> and, uh, just hope people are interested. But again, I just want to thank you guys for listening really. And I hope that I can inspire anyone to, to want to take up, uh, you know, making any changes in their lives that both make them feel better or that help them, uh, take more responsibility in their lives or take more control and, and help them manifest their dreams and see the change that they want to see in the world uh, from doing the inside out work because that's that, you know as cliche as it is that's it's really the way it works um you'll find so raining on reality.com uh anyone that wants to join the patreon it's patreon.com slash raining um got some cool stuff over there too for you guys to check out uh yeah, thanks for putting up with me. And I'm going to keep putting out long talks until someone wants to come join me. I've had quite a few guests now uh, cancel or, or um, want to put things off for, for totally understandable reasons and, and their busy schedules and, and um, unpredictable things. But um, yeah, man, anyone that wants to come on and have a chat, I'd love to have you. Thanks for, thanks for listening again, and, and please reach out and connect with me. All right, guys, be good. Oh, almost forgot. I would like to...
properly introduce the clip that I plan on leaving at the tail end of my episodes until someone threatens to sue me, um, that is of great uh, meaning to me. I first heard this clip and this gentleman uh, who delivers <laughs> this wonderful uh, ending to his set in a tool song when I was in middle school. Uh, and the man's name is Bill Hicks. He is a amazing stand-up comedian, but also a true spiritual visionary and uh, an awakened being long before his time. Um, and it's it's sad we have lost people like Bill Hicks. Uh, truly, a a man out of place. Uh, maybe in his era and in his profession. However, he was uh, multi-talented, and um, this is the this is the original clip that I heard in the Tool song when I was in middle school. And who would have thought that twenty years later I would be so identified with it, and it would mean so much to me. But it would also come to define my worldview and my experience uh, on my spiritual path up to this point. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct honor and privilege to give to you the wonderful, the timeless, and the truly infinite Bill Hicks. How about a positive LSD story? Wouldn't that be newsworthy just once to base your decision on information rather than scare tactics and superstitions and lies? I think it would be newsworthy. Today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we're the imagination of ourselves. Here's Tom with the weather. been fantastic and I hope you enjoyed it. There is a point. Is there a point to all this? Let's find a point. Is there a point to my act? I would say there is. I have to. The world is like a ride at an amusement park and when you choose to go on it you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are and the ride goes up and down and round and round it has thrills and chills and it's very brightly colored and it's very loud and it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time and they begin to question is this real or is this just a ride and other people have remembered and they come back to us and they say hey don't worry don't be afraid ever because this is just a ride and we Kill those people. <laughs> Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This has to be real. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run amok? But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, 
close yourself off the eyes of love. Instead, see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace. Thank you very much. You've been great. I hope you enjoyed it. London, you're fantastic. Thank you.